Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy, sitting in for Sean Spruce. Among the winners at the International Indigenous Hip Hop Awards was Defy's Ode to Mothers, Matt Max Blurry Vision album, and Rising Star Stella Standing Bear. It was also a moment to recognize the art form's 50 years in existence and how Native hip hop artists have shaped its development in that time. Coming up this hour, we'll hear from some of the first Native rappers about putting Native language, culture, and issues into their work. We'll also hear from contemporary musicians about what's next. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A sacred rock on display in Lawrence, Kansas, is being returned to the Kaw Nation. Rhonda Lovaldo has more. The vice chairman of the Kaw Nation, James Pepper Henry, spoke of the first time he learned of Ajunje Wahobe, the sacred rock, from his uncle. I first witnessed Ajunje Wahobe about 30 years ago. Uh, my great uncle Luther Pepper was vice chairman of the Kaw Nation at the time, and he brought me here to Kansas. Uh, to see this stone and to see some other sacred sites uh, that were important to the Ka people. And that really opened my eyes to, um, to our history and our culture and, the, and what we were losing. And it was very important. He said at that time that some, someday Njunje Wahobe will come back to the Ka people. Njunje Wahobe was removed from its foundation and the plaque dedicating it to the first founders of Lawrence was also removed. The sacred rock will be moved to Council Grove, Kansas. The Kaw Nation has a centuries-long relationship with Ajunje Wahobe and value it as a sacred item of prayer, and it is now being returned back to its people. In a public event, many in attendance heard about the history of the sacred rock and why it was important to return it to the Kaw Nation. Governor of Kansas, Laura Kelly. Well, today's return is a significant step forward for the relationship between the Kaw Nation and the city of Lawrence. It alone is not enough. It must be part of a broader statewide effort to respect the significance of sacred places and support tribal cultures. Ajunje Wahobe, the sacred rock, is a 28-ton red Suin quartzite boulder currently located in Robinson Park in Lawrence, Kansas. It was moved there from the confluence of the Shunga Nunga Creek and Kansas River in 1929 to become a monument to the early founders of the city of Lawrence. It is set to leave for its permanent home back with the Kaw Nation today. This is Rhonda Labaldo for National Native News. Tribal leaders blasted the California State University system for withholding nearly 700,000 Native American remains at a state legislative hearing Tuesday, Christina Onestead reports. California's only Native American lawmaker, James Ramos, called on 21 of the state's 23 universities to repatriate Native remains to their tribes. It is very concerning that decades after federal and state laws were enacted, to repatriate remains and cultural objects, almost nothing has been done to fulfill that obligation. Ramos called a hearing on the issue at the state capitol after an audit report in June found more than half the California state universities failed to even begin returning remains to tribes, and many still don't even know what remains they have. Several tribes responded to the report. 
Jack Potter is chair of the Redding Rancheria, Melissa Taelva, vice chair of the Shingle Springs Band of Miwok Indians, and Leo Sisko is chair of the Tachioka tribe. This report is sad and heartbreaking. It is hard when we know the spirits of our ancestors are locked on shelves. It's painful to see uh, over 700,000 are sitting in boxes tagged, numbered. No, not only is the CSU and the UC system disrespecting the laws, but they're disrespecting the, the memory of our people. It is appalling, unacceptable, and shameful. The audit calls for a system-wide policy for repatriation, an oversight commission, and funding. Ramos says he'll put forth legislation to force California state universities to act. That was Christina Onested and I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Do you have feedback, stories, or ideas that you want to share? Now through September 4th, visit online at kiwanak.org survey to share feedback and be part of defining our future. That's K-O-A-H-N-I-C dot org forward slash survey. Support by AARP. AARP creates and connects people to unique tools and programs, helps conserve personal resources, and tackles issues that matter most to individuals, families, and communities. More at AARP.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy, sitting in for Sean Spruce. Fifty years ago this month, DJ Cool Herc developed a new sound by using two turntables to play music at a house party in the Bronx, New York. It was the birth of hip-hop and the very start of a, a genre of music that literally helped shape American pop culture. Coming from the African-American community, hip-hop became a poetic way to express culture, tell stories, and speak out about real issues affecting a marginalized community. It's no wonder hip-hop caught on with Native American creatives turned hip-hop artists, rappers, and DJs. Indigenous hip-hop is filled with expression of cultural pride, resistance, and artistry. From just a small handful of Native rappers 20 years ago to dozens now representing every region of the Americas, Indigenous hip-hop has only been growing and catching bigger and wider waves. In this hour, we're celebrating hip-hop and hip-hop in Indigenous America. You can join us, too. How has the music, art, style, and fashion had an impact on your life? We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from Dallas, Texas, is Lightfoot, rapper, filmmaker, and actor. He's Cherokee. Welcome to Native America Calling, Lightfoot. Thank you. It's uh, good to be on. Happy to be uh, joining today for uh, this important conversation. 
Right? Celebrating 50 years of hip-hop and then hip-hop in Native America. Uh, so, so before we jump into your music career and uh, really start getting into Native hip-hop, I want to explore uh, those early days of hip-hop. Uh, in the introduction, I mentioned DJ Cool Herc and a dance party. How did this new sound catch on, and who were some of the movers and shakers responsible for how it spread in New York and then out of New York? You know, um, obviously, DJ Cool Herc, uh, Grandmaster Flash, um, you know, Africa Bambata, um, the Zulu Nation, um, Sugar Hill Gang, I think probably uh, really started commercializing it, um, you know, with Rapper's Delight. And, you know, when I think back about, you know, growing up and uh, listening to, you know, all of those early, early groups, and then at the same time, you know, as it started to change and, and uh, the messages started to, to resonate, you know, more with, you know, public enemy, um, it began to be um, a way to express a very um, disenfranchised community um, in the minority community across this country. Um, obviously, um, you know, Eazy-E and Ice Cube and Dre with NWA found a way to raise um, the profile of issues that they were dealing with in the community constantly, you know, Public Enemy, Chuck D, um, Professor X, um, you know, all, all of the, the S1Ws that, you know, I would see on TV, you know, repping for their community, uh, putting things down, um, you know, bringing, uh, you know, more awareness to the issues in their community. I thought, you know, for me, um, I thought it needed to be done in Indian country when I would, you know, turn on any media at that time. Um, I wouldn't see, you know, a representation of our people uh, from our people um, that, that was at the same level. And so I wanted to help change that. And um, that's kind of what really inspired me to get going and to, to, to start doing something for, you know, Indian country and right. hip hop. Yeah, so there was a sort of a parallel between um, the black community and what was happening there and uh, the native community. Um, can, can you tell me about uh, maybe some of those stories you heard in that early hip hop that kind of um, really, uh, you know, struck you as being similar to what was happening in Native America? The struggle, you know, the way that our people have been treated in Indian country from, you know, the inception of what we call today America was something that I felt like who better should be talking about this than our community because, you know, we we didn't come here. We were here and, you know, we welcomed people here. And I think at the end of the day to to see other folks having the opportunity to express um, their opinions about their community um, on many levels, whether it be police brutality back then, um, whether it, um, you know, was the disparity in, in the socioeconomic situation, um, in, in all facets, um, the struggle. Um, I remember that, you know, somebody um, said that if, if uh, this is early on, I remember somebody saying, if Shakespeare would have been born today, he would have been a rapper. Um, because it is, the music and the 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 uh, vantage point of the streets, and and it is done through art, um, done through music, 
But, you know, when you think about the inception of music and hip hop and, and that art form, you know, people didn't have money. People didn't have money to go out and, and spend a whole lot of money in the studio hiring musicians and, you know, using samples and being able to take what was already there and reinvent it and take it and make it into something new with all the loops and samples and break beats and, you know, all those things that, that we would take from James Brown or we would take from different artists that had a real huge impact in the community um, mm -hmm. because there wasn't the financial resources to do it. Um, people were having to get more creative and find the way to sample things and make it um, uh, an album or make it make it you know multiple songs and and then take it out and, and do something that that was completely innovative uh, in music and and so all of that influenced me um, right. you know um, my first song native tongue that I, the first single that I did um, was all about that and I was like you know if we're gonna do this you know uh, I want to infuse our our essence into it so i had my my friends that were in a uh, drum group i had them come in the studio and and literally the engineer didn't know how to do it he was like how are we going <laughs> to make this happen inside of this you know and so it was like literally going through all of those very very early stages of how do you intertwine our culture with this very very contemporary uh new music form all right you know what let's hear native tongue right now
that is uh, Native Tongue by Lightfoot. Uh, Lightfoot, you can definitely hear that uh, artistry and uh, poetry, storytelling that is happening in that track there. Um, Tell me about, uh, we're going to go to a break in just a little bit, but um, you were mentioning before uh, we played the song about some of the technology that is different from today. What sort of uh, recording um, uh, things were you guys using back then in the studio to to make this song native tongue oh wow um so it went uh back to everything from um little um decks and packs uh made it uh, a really horrible when i think about it now a cassette recorder and then it moved into a tape that was like a beta tape um and so my earlier music than this was done on that you know studio time back then was you know anywhere from 100 to 250 dollars an hour you had to buy a two inch reel um to record onto and so at the end of the day it was very very costly you know costly um and so we were always trying to figure out the ways that we would be able to like get a bigger sound um on a four track or six track tape machine um so we would do a lot of bouncing down um having to mix the song on on different tracks and then bounce it down to a couple of uh, you know tracks and and then you know open up another you know four or five six tracks to be able to like make more you know vocals or whatever it is that we needed to do so it was really you know forcing us to try to be more um, you know ingenious in the way that we were trying to take what we had in very limited resources uh, to do more and by the time that you know a year and a half went by um, there was a brand new digital technology that was coming out right at that point um, in 1993, uh, before Pro Tools, um, there was a sequencing program called Cakewalk um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people used, um, but then they would have to take it to the studio and then dump the um, sequence to, to tape. Right. And the, in Greenwood, I, I, I recorded in Greenwood, which is a very famous um, civil rights, sort of pre-civil rights Um, Okay, Lightfoot, sorry about that. Uh, We're going to have to go to this break. We'll be back uh, right afterwards. A Dinesh Chef's debut novel paints a suspenseful journey of grief, culture, and internal family suspicion where food is a central theme. We'll talk with the chef-turned-writer Brendan Shea Basham, and we'll hear about a Native school that devotes much of its land to a farm for students. That's on the next Native America Calling. I'm Michael, and I used to smoke. I never used to think about breathing. Then my left lung collapsed, and I was diagnosed with COPD. Now I think about breathing all the time. I'm on an oxygen machine so I can breathe. I take medicine so I can breathe. My tip is, enjoy the breaths you don't have to think about. You don't know how long you'll have them. Smoking can cause COPD. You can quit. For free help, visit cdc.gov slash quit now. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
You are listening to Need of America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. This month marks the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, and we're talking about how this musical and cultural genre has impacted Indigenous America. What are some of your favorite early hip-hop musical artists? How did their music and stories impact you? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We have with us uh, Lightfoot. Uh, rapper, filmmaker, and actor, one of the OGs in uh, native hip-hop here. Uh, Lightfoot, you were talking about, um, you know, some of that early programming uh, that you recorded on and then, you know, had to uh, translate it to something else. Can, Can you continue? Yeah, no. So, I mean, right at that time uh, that we were kind of doing what we had to do, um, before Pro Tools, which is kind of the, the thing, you know, Apple makes stuff now that you can record on, but, you know, it was um, um, a thing called digital, digital spectral synthesis, and it was the, 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 the parent to all of this, you know, technology that would come later. And so that's what we recorded on, and um, it, was, uh, it was still exploring and trying to figure it out and, and you know, working with the engineers uh, to make sure that it didn't sound too clean, but... You know, that's that's kind of what we use, um, you know, always trying to push the envelope. All right. Cool. Uh, so, you know what? We have a caller on the line right now. We have Janil in, from MHA Nation listening on KMHA. Hey, Janil. Good afternoon or good morning wherever you're at. Um, thanks for having me on the show today. And my question is for Lightfoot there. Just wanted to congratulate you on uh, the film and the music industry that you've brought forth in the last uh, oh, 25, 20 years, something like that. But I guess my question would be, what would be your message be to the upcoming artists? I know hip hop has been a great influence across Indian country, and just wanted to point that into, into a positive direction. All right, Lightfoot. Well, thank. You. Thank you very much, man. And uh, I was just up uh, running around all over the MHA res maybe about a month ago. So, you know, love my people up there. Um, special shout out to everybody up there. Um, I, I think that it would be to, you know, continue to push the art form, um, continue to, to really um, make sure that, you know, I, I was told early on when I started, remember, for our people, music is medicine. So you're going to have the ability to make them, you know, excited. You can make them, you know, uh, you can emote or evoke emotions from crying to laughing to anger. Just be responsible with the medicine. And, you know, it, it's tough because sometimes as an artist, you, you want to say things, you want to put things out there. I know that just, you know, our art is a reflection of our community. And oftentimes, you know, we are very much the victims of lateral oppression. We feel that hate in our own communities because we, we feel the hate from the world. And we're still trying to push through and come, you know, to a better place. And oftentimes we're the, we're the closest ones in proximity to that energy. And so I would say, you know, each other, help each other. Um, try to find ways that you can lift each other up. Try to find ways that you can work with each other and, and you know, join forces. Because, you know, we're still a microcosm of a much bigger industry. And the only way that we're going to see uh, more awareness and more um, success is by working together and trying to do things. And you know, I've always tried to lift up other artists and signed artists and lifted, you know, them up and, and taught them what I knew and showed them the business. And you know, I remember putting Superman through recording school 
and making sure that he was up on game, put him on my records, and, and tried to lift that brother up. And it's really exciting for me to see him still doing his thing and doing it at a much bigger level because, you know, he, he I think, had a lot of support going in. He saw how the game worked, and he saw how to spread it. All right. Wise words there for uh, new uh, creatives out there. Um, <clears throat> uh, Lightfoot, I want to ask you about uh, some of the different variations uh, that uh, hip hop kind of went through or maybe is still going through. I mean, there was this kind of like era of uh, like gangster rap and maybe kind of gave a, a bad rap to uh, hip hop. You know, well, tell us about some of those variations and how you kind of addressed maybe some of those uh, community um, maybe resistance that might have existed in some places where you toured and and folks maybe had the wrong idea about what you were doing um, as a as a native uh, hip-hop artist and rapper well <laughs> absolutely I mean rap was not uh, the popular accepted embrace uh, art form that it is today, the the global uh, phenomena that it is, and leading the charts and influencing music. Period. Um, it was very new. I mean, the president's wife at the time, uh, the vice president's wife at the time, launched a campaign to, you know, end rap, um, to um, put down, you know, folks coming out of Florida like uh, Two Live Crew and. You know, NWA was, of course, involved in that, and they just felt like this isn't the music that represents um, America, and this isn't what we want our kids listening to. And so, you know, then take me coming out of Oklahoma, which was not the hip-hop capital of the world, and then saying, I'm going to be a, a native rapper. And they're like, uh, what? You guys don't rap? I mean, I remember being in the studio early on, and I was, you know, I, I've always kind of rolled solo. I didn't have to, like, have a whole crew or, you know, a bunch of people around me and there was an African-American group in there and they were like, man, why are you in here rapping? Um, you, you people don't do this. And I'm like, you know, um, uh, I'm going to define who I am. I'm not going to let you define who, who that is. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, chase my dreams and I'm going to try to help my community in a way that um, I feel like I have been put here to help. And, you know, there's so much in the way of just even trying to let people know when I went on tour, there was nobody touring around the country and, and I, we would find a whole way that, that we – I literally went and got the, the list of every tribe in this country, and I wrote that down. And then I went and, and, and mailed because there was no email at that time, right? There was no internet. And so basically, you know, launched a mail campaign to reach out to all the tribes, and they would call me. And I would say, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a rapper. And they're like, well, what are you going to rap about? Um, what, what are you trying to do with this hip-hop music? So it was like pioneering on levels, man. I mean mm. – it was trying to create some sort of a campaign to, you know, undo the, the misconceptions about hip hop, trying to let people know what I was rapping about and then let them know that I had a message that I wanted to share with the community. And so I would get there and they were still skeptic, skeptical. And I'm talking about going to like Pine Ridge where there was never like, you know, and I had a vision of like I wanted to bring speakers. I wanted to bring lights. I wanted to bring a fog machine. I wanted to do something that was like give these kids an experience of like a real concert and, you know, grandmas, I, it would shock me. I, grandmas would be coming up to the stage and dancing. I was like, this is crazy. Um, this is awesome. And they would come up to the table after when we were signing autographs. And I was like, you know, I saw you out there dancing. I was like, that was awesome. And they, she was like, I just want you to know that today I had an experience for the first time right along with these kids because nobody's ever come out here and done anything like this. 
And, and I felt like this was amazing for me because I wasn't trying to like get a music career going so that I could become an actor or I could do all these other things. I was just very focused on trying to get the message out to as many reservations as I possibly could and trying to continue to drive and, and, and push that. So we would tour literally all over the United States. I mean, I would be in Montana, go down to California, go all the way over to Florida, go up to Kansas, go back over to Maine. I'd come back across and, and just run, 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 drive, drive, drive. And, you know, so it, it, there was a lot of times people would just be like, hey, man, why are you wearing these clothes? Why are you got these baggy clothes on? And, you know, what are you trying to make our kids be something that they're not? And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to show kids that they can do whatever it is they want to do. Right. And really our people in general. So, you know, don't look at my clothes when you've got cowboy boots on and, and wearing the Calvary's uniform. Don't talk smack about me when what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you got on? Mm. You're not traditional. You're not wearing traditional clothes. So, you know, I mean, I think it's just people get it how they get it. And sometimes when you bring something new, you got to be really can you, you got to be strong in what you believe in to be able to stand for that and bring something new to the game. And I just thank the creator. Literally, all of this goes to the creator, because without that, I would have never been able to do all of this. Um, and, and so I just tradition has always been, you know, the thing that has kept me moving and, and my prayers and the creator. And that's what gave me the strength to, to go from that to being my last album was in Jay-Z studio in New York City. And that's that's like I remember praying in the middle of New York City, just thanking the creator for all these years to be able to do something that changed my life and, you know, helped a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's just been a blessing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations on all of that. Uh, you know what? Let's bring in another caller. We have Tom in Wounded Knee, South Dakota, listening on Keeley. Hey, Tom. Hello. Tokaho. How are you doing? I like to say that in my tongue. How are you? First of all, I want to commend you there um, on your success. Uh, <laughs> the radio station I'm checking in, we, I always hear your commercial, true tradition, not addiction. I like that. Also, uh, it's good that that you're putting this out there. I have my uh, little brother doing the same thing. He he, he did a, 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 a show here with, uh, I think it's Montana 300. Uh, I would love it if we could bring, bring some more because... I have a 15-year-old. That's my baby, and it's it's his culture. I mean, he's he's Lakota too, but it's part of him. So, I'm really happy that you're putting this out. And this is the same thing with my brother. I told him that. I said, remember what our grandfather told us: music is is, is healing. It's healing. It, it, any which way you want that music, and the way it, it pronounces your heart, that's the way that's the way you heal. And plus, you're going to heal other people too. So it's just something that I wanted to give to you, and I like to t- tell you in my tongue, Lila Pilamaya, I thank you very much, and then keep doing what you're doing, and one day we'll have you here. We're going to ha- have our uh, uh, 12th annual Little Bighorn here in Wounded Knee, South Dakota. Would love it if you could come down and check out my brother here and check out these other uh, Native artists here that, that are performing and doing uh, positive stuff here. I like I like the art form of, of this um native hip-hop because i listen to the words and these young people have ideas i listen i'm 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 gonna be an old man here pretty soon but i listen to it and and i could hear what they're saying all right 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining the conversation here. Uh, you know what? I want to go up to our other guest we have with us. We have uh, JB, the First Lady in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. She's a mother, hip-hop artist, and fashion designer. She's New Hulk and Onondaga. Welcome back to Native America Calling, JB. Hey, good morning, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So hip-hop, of course, uh, crosses borders, and we can't forget about our First Nations neighbors up in Canada. Uh, JB, can you tell us about some of the uh, earlier days of Indigenous hip-hop up there, and uh, who inspired you? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge, like, the creators of hip-hop, the Black and Latin community, for creating this art form for us to tell our stories in a contemporary way. Because for me, um, in my tradition here in, on the West Coast, um, they're prepping me to be the speaker of my family in our potlatch ceremonies. So for me to be a hip-hop MC, I feel like that's coming out in a contemporary way as my traditional role in my family. Um, so it's just really cool because hip-hop, brought me to my own culture because I was so disconnected living in the city and I didn't have connection to culture. I felt clear. And then once I got to hip hop, I was like, wow, well, where's my songs? Where's my dances? Where's the art from our people? And it was actually um, Lightfoot had an influence in my career. Um, he brought an artist from here, Oz 12, on tour with him. And then when I was a teenager, I saw Oz 12 and Manic Wonderful and Skeena Reese, and they just blew my mind. Because when I was even younger on much music, which is like MTV, but a Canadian style, <laughs> um, there's this artist. His name was Rex Small. His name is Rex Smallboy, and he's from War Party. And uh, he's the first ever to ever say, like, on a national level, on much music, native hip hop. I was like, there's native hip hop. I was like, wow, because I never saw anyone that looked like me, sounded like me, like native. I was like, wow. And once I saw that, I was like this like how is this possible you can do that <laughs> and also in war party they have um cynthia smallboy and she she's like one of the matriarchs of native hip-hop and seeing her be on the mic and then seeing um another artist from saskatchewan uh equal in real life i was like wow like <laughs> i can't even believe this like women can go on the mic and have a voice and share what they're going through and i was like wow like because like the only person i saw in music was buffy saint marie but buffy like really paved a way for us as indigenous women in music and because of her like her standing strong in um in her culture and talking about what's happening in America and Canada, you know, I wanted to do that with my music. So that's been a pathway, you know, equal Cynthia Smallboy and Buffy have really paved like 
cleared a path for the music that I make. And right. um, I'm just like, they're so important. And like, we just really have to, you know, have those, those, that those femme voices, you know, and I also give it up to Queen Latifah, MC Light, and Roxanne Chante. Like, they really brought that representation of what is going on and what is important for women in music. And yeah, I stand strong in in my culture and standing up for indigenous, you know, missing and murdered indigenous women, our residential school survivors. And um, that's what I make my music about is because I want to bring awareness and I want my grandchildren to hear that their grandmother stood up for those things. And hopefully they don't have to stand up for those things, mm-hmm. like clean water. So um, those are like my influences. And so shout out to Lightfoot for, you know, bringing Oz 12 on tour because I wouldn't have been connected to native hip hop if he wasn't, you know, didn't bring Oz 12 on that tour. Got it. All right. Well, we're going to head into a break in just a moment here, but um, I want to play a song uh, from you, uh, JB, just right after we get out out of this break. And it really kind of exemplifies like that uh, uh, frontline, you know, storytelling and behavior that uh, you're just getting into. Uh, We're celebrating hip hop today, indigenous hip hop. If you want to join us, there's still a little bit of time. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Support provided by Amerind. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D dot com. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're celebrating hip-hop on na- in Native America today, and there's still time to join us. Who are some of your favorite indigenous hip-hop artists, rappers, DJs? What songs do you identify with and speak loudest to you? We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Uh, we were just talking to JB, the first lady up in Canada in Vancouver. And uh, she mentioned some of that uh, front line storytelling that can happen in uh, hip hop. Let's actually listen to her song, Front Line. Now we see reality. Unmasked the truth, they're killing the youth. I'm making native cartoons to get away with abuse. They blame us in the news. Well, they excuse the accused. Excuse after excuse. Not guilty verdicts. I'm confused in the hands of white jurors, all smoke and mirrors. RCM hating, sloppy investigating, hating on these natives. Canada thighs and lives, reconciliation snakes in disguise. While they take indigenous lives, genocide in slow mo. I see you dressing on Trudeau, white paper on 2.0. When the tension is high. 
relatives with the signs. Women warrior front lines. This is, this is our time when the tension is high. Relatives with the signs. Women warrior front lines. This is, this is our time. Got me bringing up the heat from the east. That deep, wake up as you sleep. Wearing marks on my feet like cousin, did you eat? But don't forget none From the father and the mom Born a daughter and a son Two spirits out of one We evolved, you just begun Life's golden, get some I'm a hood and a shoney queer That was raised as a deer Had a drink in seven years Now I'm living in the clear Put that pain in the rear Front lines without fear Yeah, I got a squad It's a whole confederacy Yeah, we got peace It's an everlasting tree Yeah, we gon' rise It's a prophecy Our time, my life, my line all right that is frontline by jb the first lady from her album righteous empowered daughter thanks so much jb for joining us i want to go to our uh in-studio guest here we have defy dinna hip-hop artist and winner of this year's international indigenous hip-hop awards single of the year hey welcome back defy Hey, thank you. Everybody out there, shout out to all listeners, all nations worldwide. All yeah, right. Hip hop. <laughs> here for yeah. hip hop. We love you, hip hop. Right. Yeah. It's, tell tell me a little bit more how uh, it's it's changed your life. Uh, tell me wow. some, maybe some of those early influences that really like caught you up in, in the genre. So the first word I ever heard about or read about in hip-hop terms was the word deaf, and that word stuck with me, D-E-F. It's synonymous with being dope or good. So that's that was like in first grade, and so when I was growing up here in the war zone in Albuquerque, there's so many community events. We had MCs. My next-door neighbors were rapping out in the reservation where I moved to in Shiprock. There was B-boys, B-girls, dancers, poppers, lockers, strutters, tutters, all these different types of styles of dance that were happening many huge gatherings, community events that felt similar to powwows, and that's what invited me and made me feel welcome and invite, um, that I could partake and get down in the ciphers and the battles. So I started out as a dancer, but my, my friends were so dope at it that I, I felt like I, was, I could excel in another element in hip-hop. There's many parts of element not to hip-hop, not just rap, as many people know, but for those who don't, there is, um, and it starts with the DJ. There's also the dance, the visual arts called uh, style writing, and also the emceeing. So I became an MC also from the battle circuit. I emerged from the indie underground rap battle circuit and grew out there to become a touring artist. Now today I'm a performing artist. Honored to be here, guest on here with you. Yes, my name is Defy from the Dene Nation. Thank you, Hip Hop Creator Most High. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, um, you know, let's hear some of your music. You know, I just mentioned the single of the year, and that is Mama's uh, by, featuring Jesse Davis. Let's yes. let's hear it. Jesus. 
yeah, this isn't a pot of gold, it's a bowl of pasta. No one thought he would go to where no one thought of, yeah, over by the water, the ocean agua, floating in the open out the Okinawa. I can see in the Adobe home and I know it's Saba. We came from broken homes, no sober fathers. For the children with birthdays and no pinatas. I'ma hold it proper, this is for my mamas. Mamas by Defy featuring Jesse Davis. Uh, Defy, you mentioned your touring artist. You are pretty busy. You're all over the place. Um, and, and you were just at this year's Grammys. Uh, how did how did that celebration of hip hop go? That was amazing. It's hard to put <laughs> into words, but within 15 minutes they um, at the Grammys, I was there seeing them celebrate and commemorate hip-hop culture for its 50-year anniversary. And in that moment, they invited and gathered many, many hip-hop pioneers and legends who paved the way for artists like myself and future generations. So many of the um, world's greatest MCs, artists, entertainers were all in the building, and they performed an amazing showcase live in front of us. It was uh, mind-blowing, especially to be in the room with the energy, with all of these amazing hip-hop icons. Right. So it, was, it was wild. I can imagine. Jeez. Um, and uh, so if, the, if, if uh, you know, we, we wrote down the lyrics of many of these hip-hop songs, I mean, take uh, Mamas. I mean, mm. it's, it's like a full page, two pages, three pages of uh, poetry. Mm. I mean, how, how did you, um, you know, really, like, um, mold this craft of yours into what it is now? I mean, do you do you read a lot? Do you listen mm. a lot? I mean, how do you, how, how did you get to this point where you know it's just you know, like artistry, poetry on on a page? I got to give a shout out to two major educators in my life. First, my mom, Dr. Pandora Mike. She's actually also this year's first ever Indigenous person to receive the National Principal Award. So she instilled education in my life at a very young age, as well as my Che, my grandfather, late grandfather, Eddie Mike. They taught me how to read and write before I could walk. So that instilled me the love of word power, how to express myself. And this built interpersonal connections. And I felt 
very, very much um, invited and excited to want to write rhymes at a young age. And so I had this poetry instructor from the Bronx. He moved to Shiprock, and his name was Jim Kelly. He taught many, many um, students from my tribe, the Diné Nation, my mom, myself, my younger brother, for instance. So he was a multi-generational educator who believed in students. He believed in us. He gave us an opportunity to break dance in between our core curriculum courses. He also gave us a chance to speak and um, perform poetry slams and things like that. So that was our first stages. And DJ Cedro, DJ Cedro, we look at him as being sort of as the cool herc of our reservation because he's the DJ who through the jams. He gave us the first microphones and he actually built his own sound systems and brought all of this um, to the table in which many of us didn't have opportunities like this in rural areas such as Shiprock. So in a way, hip hop kind of sort of found us. It feels like a symbiotic relationship. It's very spiritual as well. Right, right. And uh, now you do some workshopping, right? I see oh, you yes. yeah, performing and working with uh, younger generations. Yes, that's a huge part of my mission, a huge part of my artistry is also giving back and trying to help um, develop younger artists in rural areas, underserved communities mostly. I'm also a part of this uh, amazing cohort and collection, a collective, if you will, of hip-hop practitioners who are hand-picked and represent abroad. So the song Mamas is a collaboration that stemmed from that. Jesse Davis and I were both cultural ambassadors. She's an amazing DJ and vocalist, as you heard, and also um, make beats and also MC. So together we traveled. I went to Nigeria. She went to another country. We came back and uh, we got to collaborate together and represent Turtle Island. Nice, nice. All right. Well, you know what? I want to I wanna bring in our uh, last guest we have here. Uh, we have Saba. He's a graffiti artist and co-owner of Aerosol Trading Post. He's oh, famous yeah. Pueblo. I gave him a shout-out on the first verse. Shout-out to Saba. Uh, that's, <laughs> I thought that's what I heard. All right. So, uh, hey, Saba, welcome back. Yo, yo. Big up to my brother, Defy. <laughs> And wake self, that I wake self, wake up and defy. DJ Ohm, right. Omega, yes, Marvel, many, many the more. Fam. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, your new album, uh, Defy, uh, Blue Hour, really gives uh, uh, kudos to those you just mentioned. I, I love it. It dropped uh, last Friday. Um, but uh, uh, Saba, I want to go to you. We just kind of mentioned, uh, Defy mentioned, uh, you know, different uh, elements of hip hop. And you're a graffiti artist. Can you kind of expand on some of these other elements of hip hop and how graffiti kind of fits into uh, this culture here. Cool. Thank you. It's a way to express ourselves and, and let people know that we're here. And uh, we kind of bring it back to, uh, you know, back to the uh, petroglyphs and pictographs, right? But now mm. it's pictograph with the double left, you know, D-R-A-F-F. So I like to uh, also put a <clears throat> put a story behind it when people ask why I do this, and when you think about uh, let's say the ghost dancers, right? We uh, we call them ghost riders now, because back then the ghost dance was a an illegal practitioner of our ancient traditions and uh, ways and healing ceremonies. 
that had to be done in the darkness of night and, um, you know, and, and in, in secret or else the penalty would probably been death, you know? So mm-hmm. shout out to those originators and practitioners that, uh, continue to hold the traditions close to their heart and practice regardless of, uh, you know, the laws around us. So fast forward to now, you know, shout out to the, the, the local heads, TNR, Gats crew, Homish, Parrish, you know, all of these, uh, these heads that, um, that continue to, to hold the tradition close to their heart and practice every day, you know, so we, you know, can, uh, pass down and, uh, let, let it know that, let everyone know that it was and still is, uh, a communal effort you know there's four elements and you know now there's i don't know like seven or eight i don't it was like recall. nine more than nine now I'm yeah sure. nine yeah <laughs> it's infinite, but you know those are infinite. the founding four pillars so Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Saba, tell me about uh, style writing. And um, I, I think folks who might be looking at uh, graffiti on a on a wall or maybe even, um, you know, framed these days, uh, letter writing, sometimes you can't you can't read it, but it's like this beautiful sort of, um, you know, piece that just tells uh, somebody that, you know, somebody was here. Well, uh, like any style, it identifies where you come from, right? The people that you represent, the crew, uh, the coast, right? There's the East Coast. Shout out to the East Coast. King 157 is repping the West Coast out there right now. Um, You know, and then you uh, break it down even further. You got North and South styles, right? So I was influenced more heavily by the Notorious King uh, Roach clip. He came out of L.A., He's from he's from New Mexico, from the Diné Nation, and uh, he's my cousin. So he brought it back to the res and put us on game, and uh, you know, and and so my style is based off of the West Coast, right? The sort of the Cholo style as well. Shout out to Chaz. Um, you know, so so these styles identify where we come from, and right now we're trying to develop, and have been for for many many uh, decades. Uh, in Albuquerque and New Mexico, Southwest area, uh, Southwest wild style, right? So when people see our styles, they like, oh, those cats are coming from the Southwest, right? Rather than uh, L.A. or New York that have coined a lot of the styles that have been recycled for, for many decades, Got five it. decades. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I guess you, you would have to have a, a trained eye for something like that to identify where, uh, what region it's coming from, or maybe even make out some of those signatures. But um, yeah, b- beautiful work. Uh, amazing to watch it happen, um, sometimes on such a big scale like that. But um, that, unfortunately, is the end of our uh, broadcast here, our celebration of hip-hop and indigenous hip-hop i'd like to thank our guests again uh lightfoot defy saba and jb the first lady join us again tomorrow for the menu which is a news show on indigenous food and food sovereignty hosted by me i'm andy murphy do you want to start manage or grow your small business 
the U.S. Small Business Administration can help. If I had not known about the SBA, I would still be a local business. SBA provides you with experts, it provides you with resources, and whenever you have a question, SBA will be there to help you grow your business. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.